Welcome to Idlewild Cottage, a quiet place where kindred spirits can linger together over a cup of tea, savoring all things lovely and cozy. My name is Juliana, and I'm delighted to have you. Each episode here at the cottage will center around a theme. That theme will be celebrated in a number of ways, through literature, art, nature, and even some favorite movie scenes, we'll cherish the sweet and simple things of life. So make yourself at home, and I'll put the kettle on. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Idlewild Cottage. There's a merry hustle and bustle in the cottage yard here today, for it is time to join the merry harvesters and bring home the fruits of the season. And so let's don our work aprons, straw hats, and kerchiefs, and step into several works, books, poetry, scripture, and art, gathering a variety of crops, from apples and pumpkins to cranberries, honey, and more. The early harvest season reveals the beautiful strength of the farmer, especially as described by Leo Tolstoy in his masterpiece, Anna Karenina. Set in 1870s Russia, our first scene of the day pulls us into the warmth of the haying season. Ivan was standing on the cart, laying in place and stamping down the huge bundles of hay which his pretty young wife deftly handed up to him, at first in armfuls and then on the pitchfork. The young wife worked merrily and dexterously. The close-packed hay did not once break away off her fork. First, she gathered it together, stuck the fork into it, then, with a rapid movement, leaned the whole weight of her body on it, and at once swung the fork in her arms and flung the bundle of hay high onto the cart. Yvonne, obviously doing his best to save her every minute of unnecessary labor, made haste, opening his arms to clutch the bundle and lay it in the cart. Finally, the load was tied on. Yvonne jumped down and took the quiet, sleek horse by the bridle. The young wife flung the rake up on the load and with a bold step, Swinging her arms, she went to join the women who were forming a ring for the haymaker's dance. The joyful song and dance of these harvesters can just be imagined in the following hymn from the 1880s, which will serve as our poem for the day. As I read a stanza from Singing the Reaper's Homeward Come, let's envision one of the many hay harvest paintings by French artist Julien Dupré. Several of his pieces from the 1880s and 90s could very well represent Yvonne's pretty young wife joining the peasants at their labor. I'll include a link in the show notes to The Harvest, Peasants Stacking Hay, and The Haymakers. Singing the reapers homeward come, merrily singing the harvest home, Along the field, along the road, where autumn is scattering leaves abroad, homeward cometh the ripe last load. Among other plentiful loads of crops are those celebrated in Farmer Boy by Laura Ingalls Wilder. As common as pumpkins, apples, and corn may be, however, there is no doubt that these harvest gems would take center stage in any Idlewild Cottage autumn picnic or fireside chat. 
Whether we're sharing pumpkin scones, fresh apple cider, or a wooden bowl filled with hot popcorn. The harvest moon shone round and yellow over the fields at night, and there was a frosty chill in the air. The corn was cut and stood in tall shocks. The moon cast their black shadows on the ground where the pumpkins lay naked above their withered leaves. Almanzo rolled the pumpkins into piles, and Father hauled them to the barns. We later pick up. The apples were ripe. Almanzo and Royal and Father set ladders against the trees and climbed into the leafy tops. They picked every perfect apple carefully and laid it in a basket. After the perfect apples had all been picked, Almanzo and Royal could shake the trees. That was fun. They shook the trees with all their might, and the apples came rattling down like hail. They picked them up and threw them into the wagon. They were only cider apples. Father hauled the apples away to the cider mill. There would be plenty of cider to last till next apple harvest. Another merry crew of boys is working away in Louisa May Alcott's Little Men. These excerpts from Chapter 18, called Crops, reveal the many endeavors pursued by the industrious boys. The gardens did well that summer, and in September, the little crops were gathered in with much rejoicing. Jack and Ned raised potatoes. They got 12 bushels and sold them to Mr. Bear at a fair price, for potatoes went fast in that house. Emile and Franz devoted themselves to corn and had a jolly little husking in the barn, after which they took their corn to the mill and came proudly home with meal enough to supply the family with hasty pudding and johnny cake for a long time. Nat had beans in such abundance that he despaired of ever shelling them till Mrs. Joe proposed a new way. The dry pods were spread upon the barn floor. Nat played his fiddle, and the boys danced on them till they were thrashed out with much merriment. As autumn went on, Dan bethought himself of a woodland harvest. Every Saturday he was away to the forests, fields, and hills, and always came back loaded with spoils, for he seemed to know the meadows where the best flagroot grew, the thicket where the sassafras was spiciest, and the white oak whose bark was most valuable. All sorts of splendid red and yellow leaves did Dan bring home for Mrs. Joe to dress her parlor with. Dan's woodland harvest brings us to a contemporary of the Alcott family, Henry David Thoreau. In his 1854 Walden, Thoreau recounts his wooded experiences, which include the chestnut harvest. In October, when chestnuts were ripe, I laid up half a bushel for winter. It was very exciting to roam the boundless chestnut woods with a bag on my shoulder and a stick to open burrs with in my hand, amid the rustling of leaves and the loud reproofs of the red squirrels and the jays. Occasionally, I climbed and shook the trees. They grew also behind my house, and one large tree was, when in flower, a bouquet which scented the whole neighborhood, but the squirrels and jays got most of its fruit. 
I relinquished these trees to them and visited the more distant woods composed wholly of chestnut. If you'd like to linger a bit longer with the chestnut harvest, you may enjoy Episode 7, Fall Foraging. Now, let's remain on the East Coast and join Gladys Tabor in her Still Meadow Daybook, where she writes of her 17th century Connecticut farmhouse. Her September musings reveal a harvest that may be less common to us, wild cranberries. The whole countryside is bright with color now, not the tender colors of spring, but the vital tones of autumn. Jill has been down in the lower meadow looking at the wild cranberries. They are paler in color than the tame ones, big ovals, very delicate and spicy. We do not know whether some former owner had a cranberry bog there or whether they just grew by themselves, but there they are. When you pick them, the berries feel as if they had been dipped in wax. They fall into the pail with an odd little hollow plop, very pleasant. No other berry sounds the same at all. It is almost as if they were fairy drums beating a magic note. In his 1872 novel, Under the Greenwood Tree, Thomas Hardy follows the Melstock villagers throughout the seasons. The fruits of autumn bring us nut-gathering and, in this passage, the honey-taking. Geoffrey Day's storehouse was hung with bunches of dried whorehound, mint and sage, brown paper bags of thyme and lavender, and long ropes of onions. On shelves were spread large red and yellow apples and choice selections of potatoes. A few empty beehives were clustered around a nail in one corner, under which stood two or three barrels of new cider of the first crop. Fancy Day was now kneeling beside the two inverted hives, one of which rested against her lap. She thrust her sleeves above her elbows and inserted her hand edgewise between each white lobe of the honeycomb, performing the act so gently as to not unseal a single cell. Then, cracking the piece off at the crown of the hive by a slight backward and forward movement, she lifted each portion as it was loosened into a large blue platter placed on a bench at her side. Another sweet harvest is that which provides a feast for the eyes. In her 1948 novel, Pilgrim's Inn, Elizabeth Googe paints a thoughtful portrait of Nadine as she admires the garden while seated at her writing desk. The powder blue curtains framed a view that had mysteriously become a part of Nadine's very soul. She laid down her pen, propped her chin in her hands, and feasted upon it. Just below her, the strip of garden that stretched from the house to the river wall was a blaze of color, purple and white daisies, scarlet dahlias, and yellow chrysanthemums. They were enjoying an Indian summer, and in the warm, bright sun, the butterflies were sunning themselves on the daisies, and two slim willow wrens darted from flower clump to river wall and back again. The river was blue, and beyond, the golden October woods swept to the blue of the sky. And finally, we come back to Laura Ingalls Wilder, 
who challenges us to consider yet another unique harvest. Her essay from October of 1920 is titled Harvest of the Soul. There is a purple haze over the hilltops and a hint of sadness in the sunshine. On the low ground down by the spring, the walnuts are dropping from the trees and squirrels are busy hiding away their winter supply. Here and there, the leaves are beginning to change color and a little vagrant autumn breeze goes wandering over the hills and down the valleys. We have been gathering the fruits of the season's work into barns and bins and cellars. The harvest has been abundant and a good supply is stored away for future needs. Now I am wondering what sort of fruits we have stored away in our hearts and souls and minds from our year's activities. We lay away the gleanings of our years in the edifice of our character. What have we stored away during the season that is past? Is it something that will keep sound and pure and sweet? Kindred spirits, I am grateful for the pure and sweet gleanings we have stored away here at Idlewild Cottage. As we close our time together, I would like to harvest a few words from you. Courtney shares that she'd like to start incorporating Idlewild Cottage into her family's homeschool week. And Charity, who has just discovered this community, says it's her new favorite podcast. Friends, thank you so much for your sweet encouragement. And thank you all for your likes, shares, and five-star reviews as we continue to grow our Kindred Spirit community. Let's close with the inspiring words of Galatians. Chapter 5 reminds us of the fruit we long to see produced and harvested in our own lives, that which is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Kindred spirits, may the harvest of our hearts be rich and rewarding this fall, and may we diligently consider the seeds we might sow for next year's crop, too. Thank you for joining me today, dear ones. Please come again soon to Idlewild Cottage.